Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Blue Noise, the Birmingham City podcast from us here at Birmingham Live. My name's Brian Dick and I'm joined this week by Darren Carter, currently playing a key role in steering Solihull Moors away from National League relegation. But as many of you will know, in a past life, the 18-year-old who lived out every young boy's dream. Indeed, Darren didn't just play for the club he loves. He scored the penalty that ended a 16-year exile from the top flight. His place in Birmingham City folklore is assured. Darren will tell us all about that day and many others, starting with how as an eight-year-old he'd cried at his first Birmingham City game when the team actually scored, and also how he could have ended up as a Wolves player. So Darren, you've uh, achieved what most little boys in England or indeed across the world wanted to achieve. You played for the team you supported and you wrote yourself a little bit of a an entry into the club history as well. I want to take you back to your very early days when, when you were nothing more than just a, a little blue nose mm-hmm. supporting Birmingham City. What, 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 are your, what are your memories of that time? Um, it was sort of really probably how a lot of blue noses become, to, yeah, well, become supporters of the club. He's their dad or you know family members taking them down. And uh, My dad was a, a massive, massive blue nose and um, he'd inherited that from my granddad. Um, uh, my grandma actually passed away before I was born but my dad tells me the stories of how he got my dad down uh, to St Andrews and, and made him an avid blue nose and um, sort of yeah I just followed that path really my dad uh, played sort of semi-pro so on uh, most weekends I'd go with him to his games um, but then any time or any weekend we had free or midweek games we were straight down and watching blues so it was 1988-89 season was my first game. Uh, crew at home, I think, was the first one. Um, and I think we won 3-0, I think, that day. Um, and, yeah, literally, I remember going down and standing right at the back of the um, cop where the refreshments uh, used to be. And there was a little ledge that I used to stand on. My dad would stand in front of me um, so I could see everything. Um, and my dad always tells us it's quite embarrassing actually because I was still obviously about seven or eight. Uh, the first time we scored a goal, he sort of scared me a little bit and I was a little bit teary because I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, a few games in then I, I expected it and um, yeah, I was hooked literally. Um, from that point on, I'd go down at every opportunity that, that we could. And what, how old were you when you, when, it, when you joined the club on a footballing basis? I think um, the first time Blues approached uh, my mum and dad, actually, uh, I was playing for my Sunday league team, Arden Forest, and um, they approached uh, and said, you know, would you come in and, and train? I think this was when I was about 11 or 12, mm. um, uh, which I did, and, and trained and, and everything. But it was literally at the, the period where Barry Fry was in charge of the football club and actually completely scrapped the whole youth system. So... Um, so yeah, the next few years then, uh, while Blues obviously uh, didn't have a youth policy, um, I trained at Wolves um, mm. a, a lot um, and had a few other clubs that were sort of floating around. Um, and it was only really when I went to got to 14 that you know schoolboy forms were on the table. Um, Wolves was looking like a, a sure thing for me, um, and literally as timing would be, Blues set their uh, youth system back up. Um, I had a phone call straight away saying, would you come in and train? I think I had one session there uh, and they asked me to sign schoolboy forms. Um, and literally that was it then. I was, yep, no problem. Um, I think it was a few weeks later then that Wolves got back in touch with me and said, we'd like you to come to us. Um, and I said, well, you know, Blues have already asked me and that's it. I've, you know, I've made my mind up. So 
yeah, timing was everything really. Um, if Blues hadn't have obviously set the, the youth policy back up at that stage, you know, uh, I possibly would have ended up at Wolves. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was obviously meant to be. And presumably, it was a, the easiest decision of your young life at that stage, was it? It was, and that, yeah, because all I knew, you know, was Blues, uh, footballing-wise, anyway. Um, you know, uh, every year I'd have the, the full kit, um, and by this time I'd been a season ticket holder as well. I'd my season ticket in the corner of the Tilton and the Cop uh, with my best one of my best mates. So, literally, yeah, Blues was my life, my footballing life. Um, so yeah, when they came calling, it was never going to be a, a no. And, and did you, did you, did you smell the pull of the first team through through every age group, under 14, under 15, under 16? You saw yourself getting closer, or did it did it just seem like a a different world to you? I think from sort of the schoolboy, so I was still at school obviously, so the two years um, I was still at school and training then on the evenings and playing on a Sunday. Um, it was just great to be part of the football club and, and you know at school everyone would come up to me, oh you're playing for Blues and, and everything, so that was, you know, that was nice. It was when I, I left school then at 16 and I got offered the scholarship, that's when the f sort of first team for me then was within, re you know, reach basically and um, every day we'd be in training obviously the first team would be training on the pitches next to us there'd be times when we'd be asked to go over and sort of be you know shadow the, the first team for their first uh, for their match prep or whatever so all of a sudden I've gone from sort of supporting the club to being stood alongside people like Paul Furlong and Brian Hughes people that I'd watched in the stands for for years um, Martin Granger and First, it took me back a little bit because I was like, wow, these are sort of the guys I'm watching week in, week out. I've supported this club forever. and um, So that was a different transition, but that was when I really thought, well, hang on, I'm, I can't be that far away then if you know, I'm training with these guys. Um, so, yeah, that's when it got a, real, a little bit more real. And were you, were you immediately confident in, in yourself and, and assured around these players, or was there an element of being starstruck? I think there was it was probably a bit of both. I, I did have confidence in myself, and I, I felt like I really excelled my first first year as a scholar. Um, Brian Eastick, who was the academy uh, director at the time, and Bob, Bob Latchford, uh, Brian especially really did push me, and um, he put me in the 19s, under 19s, fairly quickly. Um, obviously, I would have been in the under under 17s um, squads, um, and through Brian, really, he was the one that gave me that confidence to say, well, you know. Did the first teams there go and grab it? Um, got me in the reserve team a lot, um, but then, as I say, the other side of it, I was still a fan of the football club, so I was still watching them on match days. And you know, um, the year before I made my first team debut, you know, I was there at Cardiff with the Wellington Cup final, and literally, you know, in close to tears, like AJ was on the, the pitch and celebrating when Percy scores the the, the penalty to level it up. And so, really, you know, really for me, it was. Was, I was sort of in between. I was like, well, you know, there's a real chance I could be in the first, get to the first team. But you know, at the same time, this is a bit surreal. Mm. Does, does 16, 17 year old Darren Carter go go in on Martin Granger at any stage in, <laughs> in training? <laughs> or were you never quite that brave? Not a chance. And, and, but again, I always say, and, and you know, it's great that we have the sort of former players association and everything because I still we get together and I catch up with a lot of them, them lads like Grange and. Brian Hughes, Martin O'Connor, um, Darren Purse, Michael Johnson, Nicky Eden, Jeff Kenner, Steve Vickers. These are the guys that were there in the first team when I made my breakthrough. 
Um, and I always say I had, I had probably the best upbringing in terms of being sort of uh, brought into that scenario because they were one thing I learned early doors, especially about Grange, was that on the pitch he was fierce and he wanted to win. But off the pitch he was one of the nicest guys, and obviously still is, one of the nicest guys you can meet. Um, and, it, and the same with the mortal. You know, Jono's the same, Percy's the same, you know, Jeff Kenner. On the pitch they wanted to win. In training they would get on you, they would let you know in no uncertain terms if you weren't doing it. But off the pitch then, you know, in the change room, they're like, arm round you, you know, are you does, are you getting on? So it was it was fantastic really to, to know that so I learnt the game there mm. and then that, that sort of you know then few years uh, I learnt what the, the men's game was all about. And and you am I right in thinking you, you got close to the first team and it didn't quite happen for a few months and Well yeah, I think the um, so my um, second year as a scholar um, in the pre season Trevor was was still manager. Um, and he included me in a friendly at QPR. So I was on the bench. I think I came on for 10 minutes at Loftus Road. Yeah. And even for me to come on there, that was like, wow. Do you know what I mean, I've, I've made my first team debut. <laughs> it being a friendly. Um, and then from that point on, the first half of that season, sort of I would, I think I'd been in the squad but never made the bench. Um, Trevor had always sort of, um, you know, kept me in and, and I've trained a couple of times with the first team, but never really full on. Um, and obviously when Trevor left just before Christmas uh, and Steve Bruce came in, that's when all of a sudden it just yeah, catapulted for me, um, yeah. made my debut at West Brom yeah. and never looked back. It was just a, a roller coaster ride from there. What do you remember of that day at West Brom? It would have been a bittersweet day because obviously the side lost, but yeah. it would have been one of the proudest days of your life. Well, it was. and I mean, the build-up was, um, was sort of, again, I thought I'd be in the squad. I thought I'd probably be in the stand watching the game. We'd had pre-match and nothing really had been said, and it was only in the dressing room then that, that Steve uh, announced the team. And um, all of a sudden, I just heard my name playing, and I literally, the it was a sort of a bit of you know shock and nervousness and excitement. It was just a you know I just had a bundle of energy, um, and going out and playing, especially at the Hawthorns in a you know a, a local derby. Um, Blues, obviously, fans behind the goal, packed out at the end. It was, it was incredible. It really was. And um, I just remember the first sort of few minutes of the game. Um, Jason Roberts actually tried to shield the ball from me and caught me full on with an, an elbow to the jaw. And I just remember just literally going, "Wow, you know, is this what it's all about?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, from that point on, it, it, I say it was a blur. It, it was a little bit because I was just that, you know. You know, adrenaline was pumping so hard that um, you know it was just a dream come mm. true. And I remember actually having a, a chance in the game where I'm still sure to this day Darren Moore blocked it with his arm um, as I volleyed the goal when we were one 0 down. And um, I'll have a chuckle with Moro about that, you know, over the years. But yeah, it was just a special night, even though we lost. Mm. And did you? celebrate with friends in any way or was it literally just business by that stage for you next day i was in college right <laughs> <laughs> so next day so wednesdays was our um, our college day as scholars so uh, i was at soil college the next day and i remember um the academy the, the other scholars boys and the academy boys who were in literally like what are you doing in? i was like i've got to be in i've got my course today they were like you played last night and, and um so yeah it was a little bit i was sort of just trying to stay a bit normal you know I didn't want I've never been one for sort of 
the limelight and you know for people to sort of you know single me out so I was just sort of right you know buzzing to make my first team debut obviously but I still want to just you know get on with things so um, yeah I don't think really obviously my dad had a fair few drinks and that with, his, with the family and my uncles and my mum and everyone but um, yeah for me it was just like I say I was probably still in a bit of a shock I think for the next mm. few days that I'd actually made my first team debut. And that season goes along you probably make I, I don't know do you make you make more appearances than you you'd probably expect it to to the point where you get to Cardiff. Yeah without a doubt at, at that point it, it was just sort of like you know if I play a few more games then great um, but we went on a run and the team just sort of seemed to gel and um, I always remember Steve just kept saying to me you know your energy is fantastic. Just keep doing what you're doing, um, and even at that stage, I, I, you know, I was looking at myself, thinking, "Am I really making that much of an impact?" But I think it was just he brought a few of the players in, and, and sort of brought a few of the players who hadn't been playing into the team, and um, we just just hit it off, hit some momentum, um, and we kept winning games, um, and then got into the playoffs, and obviously the rest is history. Yeah, and you you go to Cardiff, you you're on the bench. Yeah, was it yours coming on in your mind? At Steve, were you expecting to play some part in that game? I wasn't sure, um, only because the obviously I started the first leg against Millwall at home, where we drew one-one, played the game, full game, and then the away leg at the the, the Den, he uh, Steve put me on the bench, and he, he basically explained to me, he said it's going to be a fiery atmosphere, blah blah blah. I want to go with some experience, which obviously I understood, and then I remember the lead up to Cardiff then. I was just desperate to be in, in the 16. I wanted to be part of it, even if it was on the bench. Um, and I was sort of in my mind uh, a little bit apprehensive, thinking that Steve might think, well, I'll opt for some more experience. There was Danny Sonner, there was Curtis Woodhouse, um, a couple of other experienced players who he could have put on the bench for that occasion. Um, so when he named the bench, I thought, well, you know, fantastic, I'm on the bench, do you know what I mean? That's great. Um, but then. On the day, I was literally just thinking to myself, well, you know, it's just great to be a part of it. Um, if I come on, brilliant. Um, and again, yeah, I didn't expect to come on for Steve Vickers in the end. Uh, I think Steve got injured and Olivier Tebbley dropped back to centre-half. Um, and I came on in midfield and, um, yeah, again, it was just, it was, you know, probably second to my debut. Coming on at Cardiff was, you know, um, I felt that energy and that, you know, adrenaline rushing again. There's a curious set of circumstances that leads you to take penalty four, isn't there? I know it was Brian Hughes was down to take it, wasn't he? But Hughes, he was, yeah, yeah. So Hughes, he was down. So the again, the build up to the to the final and in the two playoff games, um, Steve Bruce was fantastic. Really, every after every session, we practiced the walk from the um, the centre circle. Uh, obviously, you can't replicate the crowd and everything, but um, he made us do that after every session. So. And every time I'd done it, I'd scored, and I was just super confident taking the penalty. Um, and even on the day, um, I remember when we equalised, when Jeff Horsfield equalised, I just had this feeling inside me we were going to win. I just, I don't know, I can't tell you why it came over me. I just thought we're going to win. So when it got to penalties, I was like, we're going to win this. Um, and again, it was just a, a confidence I probably don't think I could, <laughs> I've ever replicated in my <laughs> career again. Honestly, it's just. You know, um, one of the feelings I had, and, and then um, Mark Bowen came to us, and he came to me. I just remember him saying to me, um, four or five. And I was like, well, who's it out of? He said, you and Husey. And I was like, and I sort of knew Husey would go five, but I said, well, ask Husey. I'm, I'm, I'm not fussed. So we asked Husey, and Husey went, I'll go fifth. 
So that's how I ended at fourth. So, yeah, me and Hughes, he always joke about that. He says, I, I stole his thunder. I say, I gave you the choice. So, <laughs> so yeah. And you're making that walk with, with a ball in your hand, I think, from the centre circle. Mm. What is 18-year-old Darren Anthony, who's Darren Carter, who's still a, mm. still a schoolboy, effectively? What are you thinking? And again, people sort of look at me, gone out when I say this, but I was just desperate to take the penalty. I, I was sort of a little bit over-enthusiastic. If you, if you look back... Uh, you don't actually see me my first sort of few steps, but I think before um, they scored, and I was actually hoping they scored because I thought I want to take the penalty. Um, I think Nico gets Nico Vassin gets a hand to it, but as soon as it hits the net, I'm off. I'm walking. So I literally I was like I was. It was as if I was excited to get there and put the ball in the net. Uh, and again, I, I mean I've took lots of penalties since then, um, and I've never ever had that confidence. Um, yeah. And even playing here at Solio Moors in front of a thousand people, um, I haven't had that confidence. Do you even so, think about, does it even enter your mind how much money this, this penalty is worth or no. how many years that have gone by without the big club being in it? At that stage, I was just, in my mind, I was just buzzing to be taking a penalty and just wanting to score the penalty. Um, so I had no, nothing in my mind, there was no sort of repercussions in my mind if I missed or if I scored or whatever it was it was just I'm going to take this penalty I'm going to slot it in the corner Um, and that's why I did ask the referee I said is this if I score this because I wanted to be certain in my mind that this was the final penalty Um, and I don't think I'll be to a ball sweeter than that in my career so um, or a penalty anyway and and what goes through your mind when when the ball's hit the net do you then think about what's happened and what it means for the club um In all honesty, I think it was more when I seen the fans coming onto the pitch um, and a few of my friends were on the pitch. um, I won't name them just in case. (laughs) um, And just looking up at my dad as well and my family, you could just see the the emotion of everyone. It was just, I think, relief more than anything. The the years previous where we'd had a playoff heartbreak, the Worthington Cup the year before, and it, you just felt, I just felt it. I just felt like it was a, a relief. Um, and it was just one of them occasions where you just couldn't help but smile. Everyone was just, you know, so emotional. Um, even some of the, you know, senior lads like Jeff Kenner, Paul Devlin, Grange, you know, I've seen them close to tears. And I mm. thought, it hits home then. These guys have, have, you know, put in a lot of work for this club over the last few years, got so close, and all, you know, we finally got over that final hump. They make a fuss of you. Um, <laughs> I think that again, they were just a great group, and like yeah. I said before, I couldn't have wished for sort of a, a better upbringing really in the, yeah. in the first team game. And them guys were just yeah, fantastic. I mean, they knew how much it it meant to to me and my family more than anything. Um, being a blue nose, and mm. they were just so happy for me that I got to sort of finish it off. Mm. And I'm sure they descended into some alcoholic haze that for, for the next. <laughs> Several weeks. That that wasn't what happened to you, was it? No, I. Uh, to be fair, we did have a, a good, probably about a week where we were, you know, everyone sort of stayed in the vicinity of Birmingham, and we had a, a few nights out and and celebrated and everything, and um, it, it was great. Yeah, obviously, mm. and and for me, I remember sort of that whole summer went by so quickly because I'd literally gone from. Someone I hadn't passed my driving test at that, so I'd, I'd, my bus pass that I'd uh, my bus pass that I'd had from uh, the academy 
Um, so I used to catch the bus to and from Wastills back to Solihull and everything. And all of a sudden, then I'd go into Solihull or I'd go into to Birmingham, and people were coming up to me. And so for me, it was just a literally wow, you know, what's going on? You know, people know who I am. People are coming up to me, having photos and thanking me and hugging me. And it was surreal. It really was. It was absolutely surreal. And you know, the, the morning after, my dad uh, tells the story brilliantly. You know, he woke up, he had Central News at his door, Sky Sports were at the door, and um, it just literally, how they got our address, I don't know. Um, so it was, it was just a crazy, crazy time. Mm. And you spent a couple, a couple of years in, in the Premiership, as it was mm. then with the, t with the team. Mm. What were your fondest memories of that time? Um, again, it was just going to, playing at Old Trafford, playing at Anfield, um, playing at Highbury at the, the time. So Highbury was our first, Arsenal away was our first game, mm -hmm. you know, playing against the likes of Omri, uh, Vieira, um, Perez, Bergkamp. Then you had the United team of Keane, Scholes, Neville, Giggs, Beckham, you know. And again, I always, people, you know, and, and people are asking me, and, and lads as well who were playing with us, oh, what was it like playing in the Premier League? And I, went, I was so fortunate to be able to play against some of the Premier League greats, um, Alan Shearer still playing, I'm showing my age now. <laughs> Shearer was still playing, played against Shearer, Cristiano Ronaldo just come to Manchester United. Um, you know, Liverpool had Gerrard and Alonso and it was just for me, Michael Owen. Again, play seeing players that, you know, I'd watched on T V a year ago and not nowhere near the first team, all of a sudden I'm playing against them. So um, yeah, it was just the the feeling of um, I, I just felt so blessed to be, you know, appreciative that I was in that situation. Mm. And when it came to leave, was it 2005? Yeah. In the summer of 2005? Yeah, was, yeah. Was that a difficult decision? Because obviously you were playing for the club you loved, maybe not as often mm -hmm. as, as you would have liked. Yeah, and again, it, it was weird because I'd been on loan at Sunderland the first half of that, that, that season um, and I would have stayed if... if um, Steve hadn't called me back and we had a couple of injuries and then I ended up playing then for the, the second half. And um, I never had any intention of, of leaving, but in the summer then, Brian Robson um, got in touch and, and Steve as well and I had a chat with them too. And Brian Robson's one of my, my heroes growing up, one of my dad's heroes. And it was it really was just a case of, you know, he was saying to me, you know, come and, and play for me. Um, and when someone like that, former Manchester United captain, England captain, you know, puts that faith in you, um, it was hard to, to turn down but on the other side of it I just felt at that time I'd had three years in the Premier League with Blues and, and played not you know not a, a massive amount of games I just felt like I'd always be the the young lad mm. uh, so to speak um, and I'd always be the one overlooked if and a more experienced player come in which work was happening Robbie Savage, Alou Cissé, Stephen Clements all these guys come in and obviously played in front of me, so um, I just felt like, yeah, for me to become sort of a man, so to speak, it was to go to West Brom. You'd have to make your own way in the world. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. And you've obviously gone on to have a, a long and, and, and successful career. How, how do you, you're 34 now, yeah. I don't know how long you're going to carry on playing, but yeah. how do you look back on, on that time at Blues now? Um, special. Yeah. Probably the, 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 the one word. and. It was special because I was home. It was everything I knew. Um, moving them from from Blues to West Brom, 
Um, and then obviously the clubs I've had, Blues was always home. You know, even when I've gone back to the club and when I had my year out injured and I've done my pre um, all my rehab there with Chris Shooting and the, and the lads and um, going back and training for pre two pre seasons under Chris Shooting and Lee Clark. Every time I go, it's just home. You just feel I just feel at home there. It's comfortable. Um, going to St Andrews, you know, it's it is. It's, it's yeah. like being at home. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's special. Um, mm. That's probably the, the, the best word I can describe. And, and if you'd have been offered your footballing life when you were that eight-year-old in 1989, you'd, yeah. you'd have taken it, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. And and that's the one thing I love more than anything now is is relaying my experiences onto the to the younger players and younger generation because the game's changed a lot since I've been since I made my debut but I've sort of seen that sort of transition I've been in the game still in the game um, so it's nice now that I can help others out basically and um, but yeah if you said to me I'd have what is it now 17 18 years in the, in the professional game I'd yeah I'd have taken yeah. that and final final question you're doing your badges aren't you yes yeah yeah do you ever do you foresee or dream about a scenario where where Darren Carter goes back as Birmingham City manager? Well, again, you know, I, I've got aspirations of, of becoming, firstly, you know, a, a very good coach, a top coach. Um, whether that takes me into management, I don't know. Um, and, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the sort of, from player to, to coach, that's the dream, to obviously coach or, you know, manage a, a Blues. But um, I think the pressure I'd put myself under would be incredible. <laughs> um, and uh, the expectation would probably be, be high, but yeah, uh, I'm just obviously I'm sort of uh, learning and, and getting myself um, sort of accustomed to being a coach. Mm. Uh, now it is, a, it is a very different transition from being a player, um, and yeah, I'm sort of uh, learning and building myself up now, hopefully to, to be a top coach, and we'll see how that goes. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed hearing from one of the game's upstanding characters. I think what inspires me most about Darren's story is the fact that clubs like Birmingham City, where dreams can come true, are becoming more and more rare. And that's a real shame, because that pathway from the fan base to the academy to the first team is certainly one aspect that makes Blues such a special football club. Indeed, there's, there's probably only one way to improve on, on the Darren Carter fairy tale, and that would be if one day he did actually return in a coaching capacity. Anyway, thanks again for your time and keep right on. <laughs>